0: tell you, you be blessed. Hallelujah. Because the day the Lord has made, doesn't matter how gloomy it is outside, but you be blessed because you are in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. And today we are blessed with no other person than our own and our to deliver the word of God. The power of blessing by the Amen. <laughs> Grace and peace from God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit unto you all. Amen. Amen. It is great to be with you once again and to be in the house of the Lord. We're going to be sharing a with you that I have entitled Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah Shalom means Hebrew means God is our peace. Praise the name of the living God. Because in the, time, in the times and the seasons that we are living in you see that it is marked by regional conflicts at home and abroad in Europe, in Africa everywhere it's like the bottom is about to drop. The, the world seems to be in chaos, pandemonium, and people are wondering what's going on. There have been talk of nuclear holocaust and third war and things such as that. And people are sitting on the edges. So in such a time like this, we need to hear from God. Amen. Amen. The God of peace. The blood of Jesus whispers peace in the midst of chaos. Praise the name of the living God. So we shall quickly turn our Bibles to, Je- to Jeremiah chapter 33 verse 6. Jeremiah 33 verse 6. He says, we can read together a New King James Version. You can read it here. I can also read it from there. He says, behold, let's go together. Ready? Go. Behold. I will bring it health and healing. I will heal them. And. Amen. I will, I will reveal to them the abundance of peace and truth. Praise the name of the living God. God says He's going to reveal to us abundance of peace. Not in small measure, but abundance. Praise the name of the living God. We need some, a lot of doses of peace. And then also we shall be reading from Judges. Judges chapter 6, uh, 22 and 23. I mean, 23 and 24. Let's go together. Then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. 24. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. Hallelujah. That is the meaning of Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is Peace. To this day, it is still in opera of the Abizrides. Amen. And open the floodgates that all may go in to God. Be the glory, great things He. You know how to sing. Let's sing to the glory of the Most High God. He gave us His Son, He yelled. That is life and atonement for sin. And open the floodgate that all may go. Let's try it again. To God be the glory. To God
1: God be the the glory.
0: to the Lord in prayer. Most high God, we come before you through Jesus Christ, our mediator, who is our intercessor, who offered himself an atonement for our sins. He died and he opened the floodgates. Jesus had made peace through his death on the cross by his blood. Thereby bringing reconciliation between us and you, O God. We pray, Spirit divine, that you take control of this part of the service. Let's hear from you. Speak to hearts, speak to minds, speak to situations. So that, Lord, we are not going to go the same way we came. That your name alone shall be glorified. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. So once again, we're speaking about the topic, peace, the peace of God. Jehovah Shalom, God who is our peace. As I was saying, the current state of affairs in the world, you see that the nations rising against nations like Russia launching an unprovoked attack on Ukraine. You wake up one day and un- somebody's just hurling missiles at you, destroying your infrastructure, destroying your power, your w- power grid, your water, your means of sustenance. They just want to s- wipe you out of the face of the unprovoked attack. There are all such regional conflicts going on elsewhere in Africa, in Ethiopia with their neighbors, Everywhere, in the Congo Basin, in Cameroon, in the Sahel, there's a lot of trouble. And when we come here, even in, here in our own country, the divisions among the parties has not been so sharp. It's serious. We have been in this country a little bit, but we have seen that now they, 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 are, they are tearing at each other. And that is what somebody was saying, that America is going to destroy itself from within. So nobody is going to, America is so powerful, nobody is going to come in. But they are going, look at what happened in January 6th. So it is, it is a warning of what things to come. The divisions have become so sharp, but it does not have to be like that. And in such a situation that we need to turn to the Bible, that in the midst of this chaos and violence, the blood of Jesus whispers peace. God alone is the source of our peace. Outside of God, there can never be peace. Because we have United Nations, it was set up, just for the exact things we are seeing happen in Europe, between Ukraine and Russia, but it is powerless. It is powerless. Children are being slaughtered. So if we are going to rely on these multinational organizations to help us, we are not going, then we are doomed. God have mercy on us, because Russia is a member of Security Council, China is a member of Security Council, so if any measure you try to take to punish them, they will veto it so we can only find peace from god who is our source of peace praise the name of the living god we started by re- reading uh, uh, judges chapter 6 when you start from judges chapter 1 with the first six verses the bible says the israelites did evil in the eyes of the lord and for seven years god gave them into the hands of the Midianites, you know, Midian Midianites. They were the descendants of Abraham's second wife. How many know that Abraham had a second wife apart from Sarah? What was his name? Her name, Keturah. Yeah. So Abraham, apart from you know the issue with the 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 maid servant. There was this second wife too by name Keturah. So those those Midianites, they are the de, I mean they are the descendants of Abraham's second wife. And they were always in conflict with the Israelites. Verse 2 Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves. And strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other invaders, they will come, Eastern people, they invaded the country. They came on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza, and did not spare a living thing for Israel. Neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. Verse 5: They came up with their livestock. And their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them, their number, or in their camels. They invaded the land to ravage the land. Verse 6. That was the, the result of it all is that Israel became so poor. The Bible says, Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried to the Lord for help. Israel was supposed to be living in fertile lands. God had promised Abraham that he was taking the Israelites to a land flowing to the promised land, Canaan. A land flowing with milk and honey. Now they are living in the promised land. God had promised that their, their descendants were going to be as numerous as the sea, as the sand on the seashore. But right now, they, their number has diminished. They have stopped growing. And they have been overcome, consumed by the multitude of the Medianites. They are coming in numbers. And instead of living in a land that is fertile and flow with, with milk and honey, now they are impoverished. These Medianites, they will wait for the Israelites to plant. They know the planting season. They will wait. When they, then they have planted and everything and then it's time for harvest and then they will show up. And when they show up, they show up in their numbers. When they come, they will eat what they can eat. And what they cannot eat, they will destroy them. And then they will take the rest back to their, their country. And this thing happened for seven good years. Israel became so impoverished, they became poor people, people who were supposed to lend to other people. Right now, they are living in caves. God had promised to increase Israel as the sand of the seashore, but their sin stopped their growth and diminished them. And then their enemies, though otherwise inferior to them, overpowered them with numbers. The Israelites, having been separated by sin from God, they didn't have the spirit to fight against the enemies. One thing that sin will do to you is sin dispirits a man and makes them run and hide and sneak in caves. The result of all this is going on is that God had removed his protective cover over the Israelites. Because they had sinned against God. That is why the Judges chapter 6 verse 1 says, The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And so for seven years, God gave them up to the enemies. So beloved, we have to be very, very careful here and not take the grace of God for, for granted. Because these Israelites, you know... Their sin has separated them from God. The Bible says in Isaiah that the Lord's ears is not heavy that he cannot hear. Neither are his hands short that he cannot reach out and save. But our sins have separated us from God. To the extent that when we cry out to him, he does not hear. He does not even listen. So this is what is happening to these people. People who were supposed to be rich, living in a land flowing with milk and honey, having the protection of God, Jehovah, as their protector, as their refuge. Now they have become so poor, they have dark mountains, and they are hiding, afraid of their enemies, afraid of people that they were supposed to rule over them. That is the outcome of sin. And this is where... So the thief does not come to steal, but it does not come but to kill, steal, and destroy. So the Israelites had neglected to honor God with their substance through tithes and offering and had prepared it for Baal, with which God should have been saved. God had a covenant with them. They were supposed to give a tenth of their income as tithes and offering to God. But instead, the, the Israelites, they were giving it to Baal. They were giving it to to God rather than giving it to Jehovah. So what they were supposed to have given it to God and they are not giving it to God. Now God justly sends an enemy to come and take it away in the season thereof. The enemy was reaping what Israel had sowed. It was supposed to be the other way around. Because God had promised that other people would reap. I mean, they will sow, and we will go and reap. But now, the, other people, the Israelites are reaping. They are sowing, the other people are reaping. It has turned the other way around. All because these people, that is the justice of God. If they don't give it to God, God will find a way of letting other people take it. So we have to be very careful with the covenant agreement that we have with God. So this thing had gone on for seven years, and the Bible says... Is Israel became impoverished? And so verse 6 says they cried out to God for help. That God save us. Now we cannot bear this. This trouble is too much unbearable for us. Israel became so impoverished by the media that they cried out to the Lord in prayer for a deliverer like Moses to deliver them. They hit rock bottom. Before turning back to God, how much suffering these people could have avoided if God had, if calling on God had not become a, a last resort, but if it had become their first choice. They waited and they waited, and things became so bad. And then they say, "Okay, Plan B didn't work. Now Plan C, didn't, Plan A, B, C didn't work. Our Plan D, which is our last option." Let's talk to the the Lord God Almighty. So they got all their priority turned upside down. They should have called on the Lord God Almighty the moment they sensed that things were going bad. And things were going bad because these people, because of apostasy, they have turned their back on on God. They They have backslidden. That is why we say backslide. They have backslidden, apostasy. They have have, renounced their faith. and They are following other gods. So God also turned his back on them. And this is the result of what what is going on. They have become impoverished. They are working hard. And then the enemy will come and reap. Monkey, they work, then baboon will come and chop. That is what Rollins used to say. You work very, very hard, and then they will come, and then they will enjoy on your back. So they call on God. But I believe that turning to God should, be, should not be our last resort. We should look to him for help each day. Each day, each time we have to go to God for help. This isn't to say life will always be easy. There will always be struggles, but God will give us the strength to live through them. So don't wait until you are at the end of your rope. Amen. Don't wait until you get to rock bottom. Don't wait until you are at the end of your rope. Don't wait until things are so bad. Go take your prayers, problems to the Lord in prayer each day, every step of the way. Call on God first in every situation and he will answer you. Call on God first in each and every situation and he will answer you. He is a prayer answering God. That is why the Bible says, Oh, prayer answering God to you, all flesh will come and pray unto you. The Bible says somewhere in Jeremiah 33, 33, Call unto me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. So prayer should be our first thing. Prayer should be our first point of call. We should not wait till, like these Israelites, when things get so bad, when the cancer is stage four, and then before, because at that point, it is almost irredeemable. Let us not put God to the test. Let's right away when things start the marriage, start hitting problems. When the jobs you start getting problems, then you, you take. Them to the Lord in prayer. Take everything to the Lord in prayer. Praise the name of the living God. So even in answer to their cry for help, God gave them Gideon. See, they were they they cried to God. They wanted a deliverer, somebody to come and deliver them like Moses when they were back in, in Egypt, when they were under slavery. And their and the, and the work was so oppressive, the slave master, they cried to God for help and God gave them Moses to deliver them. So they wanted a deliverer in the, in, in, the, in, the, in the make of Moses, but God gave them a prophet. God didn't give them a deliverer. He gave them a prophet, if you read the story. And the prophet is somebody who speaks for God. He came to denounce the people Why they are suffering. Why they are going through what they are going through. He said that because of your apostasy. Because you have turned your back on the Lord. And that is why God has also turned his back on you. That is why you are suffering. That is why you have become so impoverished. That is why you are filled with fear. That is why you are hiding in caves. Afraid of your own shadow. So then God, he... Then uh, Gideon, at this point, was also hiding in a cave. He was also an an afraid man. Not this Gideon. This one, I don't know whether you're an afraid man. But that Gideon was an afraid man. This one is a sujaman. (laughs) So that, he was hiding also, I mean, in in a cave. He was, you know, uh, what do you call it? He was um, threshing his wheat. By threshing the wheat, you know, normally they want to spread it on the floor in an open space, and then they will throw it up, and then the, the stalk will be separated from the seed. Because as, as they go up, the wind will blow it, and then it will separate the stalk, the, the, the shaft, the chaff from the, the, from, the, from the grain. So how can you do this exercise in a cave? I mean, no wind is even blowing. How can you get the wind that is going to separate them? And all the while he's doing this, he's looking over his shoulders to see whether the Midianites are coming. So the man is an afraid man trying to feed his wife. And you can see that the fact that this man is threshing wheat in a cave means that it is tiny. It's a tiny bit. Because if the, if the, if the, if the wheat is numerous, he will not be able to do that in a cave. Or you know, He will come outside, open it, so the man is poor, has only small heat. He is threshing it, trying to feed his wife and his kids. And then an angel of the Lord appears to him. And the angel of the Lord calls him, God is with you, mighty man of or oh, mighty, mighty man. Mighty man of Vela. So Gideon looked around to see if the angel was seeing somebody else <laughs> beside him. He said, ah, are you talking to me or there's somebody behind me? He said, no, you, you, you are a mighty man of Vela. Up to this point, Gideon had not displayed any act of Vela. He's an afraid man to begin with, hiding in a mountain. How can this afraid man be a mighty man of villa? But he did not, even he himself, Gideon himself was challenging the title that the angel of God was calling him, that I am a mighty man of Vela. He said, If God is with us, this is, this is Gideon talking. He said, If God be with us, how come that we are going through all this suffering? So Gideon now, he is turning the table back on God. That if God is with them, how come I'm suffering? Not, he, he has forgotten the fact that they, their people have turned their back on God and that God also has deserted them. That is why every time he "Oh, if God be for me, why is my business going down? If God is be with me, why is my finances not working? But we have to check our life first before we start putting God to the test. Say that the burden of proof is on God. No, the burden of proof is not on God. Up to this point, so Gideon says, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in the family. Now this angel of God is calling Gideon, you are a mighty war- warrior. You are a mighty warrior. Go and save Israel. He said, how can I go and save Israel? Number one, my clan is the, the, is the weakest in, the, in, in Israel. The 12 tribes, my clan is the weakest. And even my clan, among all the clans, my family is the smallest. And even in my family, I'm the youngest. So everything is against me. So you must have been talking to the wrong person. You see, God sees some potential in us, and he earmarks he, he us for some assignment and for some task. But God sees something in us that we ourselves, we don't see. So we, want to, we have to avail ourselves so that God will be able to use us for the job that he wants us to, to do. Praise the name of the living God. The Lord knows that Gideon's potential for bravery or for courageousness or for heroism and address him as such, God assured Gideon that he will be with him. Sometimes you are a leader, one of the qualities of every leader is that when the members are there, you should be able to know the, 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 the spiritual giftings of each and every one of them. That is why you are able to tap some to be ministers, some to be elders, some to be... It's a special gifting that God gives to leaders. They may not, they may not even know themselves, but, but God will give you that insight, that conviction to be able to see that this individual has a potential to become a minister. And God was saying that Gideon would become a mighty warrior. But meanwhile, he was looking down himself with inferiority complex. He was not working with God. But the Lord assured him that I will be with you and you will strike down the enemy, leaving none alive. The Lord is with thee to strengthen you. And to guide you. Praise the name of the living God. It doesn't matter whether your, your tribe is the weakest tribe. It doesn't matter whether you are, this, you, you are the weakest in your tribe. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise people. Praise God. God has chosen the things that have been ignored by people to shame those noble people. God has chosen the things that are weak to, to shame the strength. So that nobody is going to take credit for himself. So at the end of the day, all glory and all credit is going to belong to the Lord. Let's give glory to the name of the living God. So God promised to give Gideon the strength. Gideon was only seeing his limitations and his weaknesses. And he failed to see how God worked through them. So don't spend time making excuses. Instead, spend time doing what God wants you to do. Amen. Don't spend time to tell your neighbor for me. Don't spend time making excuses. Tell him for me, tell her for me. Don't spend time making excuses. Rather, spend that time doing what God wants you to do. Once God has earmarked you for something, an assignment. He is going to give you the strength to be able to do it. It is not by might, not by power, but by their spirit. They say it, the living God. Hallelujah. So when Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord who has been speaking to him, he said, oh, sovereign Lord, I have seen an angel face to face. But the Lord said to him, peace. That is Judges 6, 23. Peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. 24. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, the Lord is peace. To this day, it stands in Oprah and Ebrazer. So after receiving revelation that it was God who had appeared to him, Gideon offered sacrifices to him and built an altar, calling it, the Lord is peace. Jehovah Shalom. So anxious Gideon, he learned something about the nature of God that he serves. So now Gideon, an afraid man Gideon, has a revelation of the nature of God that he serves. That no matter the number of the Midianites, they may outnumber them, they may, they may be stronger than them, but since God is with him. If God be with you, who can be against you? You are more than a conqueror. So now that realization has begun to dawn on Gideon. And he's ready to work with God. So in the end, Gideon was able to defeat the Midianites with only 300 men. Watch this. Only 300 men. Gideon was able to defeat the The the, the Midianites with only 300 men. And then the Midianites were 135,000 men. Oh, somebody should give a clap offering for the Lord. Hallelujah. 135,000 versus only 300 men. Because initially when Gideon offered the call for service, like, hey, come and let's go and God said we should go and fight them. So, so many people should come and let's go, let us go and fight them. 32,000 Israelites responded, but God told him, cut the number down, cut the number down. See, God was teaching him a lesson that some people trust in chariots, some people trust in horses, but our victory is only going to come from God Almighty. Hallelujah. You are not going to strike, you are not going, like Jehoshaphat, you are not going to have to fight. God is going to do the battle for you. You may be weak, you may be an afraid man, but I am going to do the battle for you. You may be hiding in the cave, but do not be afraid, Gideon. You are not going to die. My name is Jehovah Shalom, God of peace. May the peace of God be upon you this morning. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. So this morning I want to ask you, have you experienced that peace of God? So when we talk about peace, we're talking about it's a it's a it's a state of tranquility, a state of quietness, a state of calmness, you know. And then sometimes, too, when we talk about peace, it is the it is freedom from oppressive thoughts or emotions. That means you are in perfect peace with your own. You are content. You could be sitting down in jail, and you can still have the peace of God with you. It it doesn't have to depend upon the environment that you find yourself in. Paul and Silas, they found themselves in Philippi, Acts chapter 16. They were thrown in jail, but in the middle of the night, they lifted up their voice and they were singing praises and honor to the Most High God. You'll be able to find contentment. You'll be able to find joy in the midst of all the deplorable situations because your peace, that inner peace, it doesn't depend upon the things that surround you. It comes from Jehovah. It comes from God. Let's give glory to the name of the most high God. So peace is also a harmony in personal relationships. To be at peace with each other. You see, your harmony with other people. Your, 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 your spouse, your family people, your church folk, your, work, your you know, people that you work with. You have to be at harmony. You have to be at peace with them also. It is also a personal sense of wholeness and well-being free from anxiety and fear and you are at peace within one's whole soul. There are so many billionaires. They don't have peace. They cannot sleep at night. They wake up in the middle of the night and they are worried about stock exchange. But you don't have that millions. But when you sleep, you sleep soundly. You have the peace. The peace that you have. Jesus gave it to you. It is from within. Whether you have shoe, whether you don't have shoe, whether you have money, whether you don't have money. You, have, you are comfortable within your own soul. May God give you that peace today. A peace that does not depend upon circumstances. The blood of Jesus peace peace, peace, peace,
1: peace, peace. in this dark world. No!
0: That's why he says, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, he Do not be anxious about anything, but in all things, by prayer and thanksgiving, with supplication, let your petitions be made known to God. And the peace of God, somebody say the peace of God, which surpasses human understanding, it is going to guard your heart. May the peace of God guard your heart this morning. Because Gideon is an afraid man. is hiding. He's afraid of his own shadow. But now he has the peace of God. He's able to step out from nobody to a mighty man of vela. From a scared nobody, he was transformed into a mighty man of vela. I want to quickly write through this point and then we end. So now this is what the Bible says about peace. Peace with, we have peace with God. As believers, the Bible says, we have peace with God. Romans chapter 5 verse 1. The Bible says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have been justified by faith. That means... By justified by faith, that means God has declared us that we are not guilty. Jesus Christ has paid the penalty for our sins. So when we appear in heaven, we are not going to give account. That that Jesus has paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain. To To him alone we owe it all. So now you have peace with God. Because previously... We were enemies of God because our, our thought process, our, our thinking was corrupted about God. But now, our thinking has been sanitized. God has, Jesus Christ has justified us. He has paid that sin. So right now, that thing that was separated us between us and God, that was sin. Jesus Christ has removed it from there. We were alienated from God, but now we have been reconciled. He has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And now we have justification and we have peace with God. Praise the name of the living God. That is the first thing. As a believer, you have peace with God. You are no more an enemy of God. When Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, God drove them out. But Jesus Christ came to come and destroy the works of the enemy. That is what the Bible says in 1 John 3.8. It says, For this reason the Son of Man came to the world that he might destroy the works of the enemy. The enemy caused Adam and Eve to sin. Thereby God driving them away from the Garden of Eden and then there was an enemy. There was a barrier. There was a roadblock But Jesus Christ. Christ has removed it. He has paid it all through the sacrifices that he made on the cross of Calvary. Number two, we have reconciliation with God. We have reconciliation. We have been reconciled with God. We are no more enemies of God. Colossians chapter 1, verse 20 to 22, the Bible says that. So Christ's death on the cross provided a way for all people to come to God. That is why I sang that song, that Jesus Christ has opened the floodgates that all may go in, regardless of race, regardless of your your nationality. He has thrown open the floodgates because of the sacrifices that he made on the cross of Calvary. The Bible says in in Colossians 1.20, And through him, through Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things... In heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So Jesus Christ has made peace through his blood that he shed on the cross. So not only do we have peace with God, we also have the peace of God. We have peace with God because we have been justified by faith. And we have the peace of God. That is Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in every situation, by prayer, by petition, by thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guide your heart. See, that peace of God is supernatural. It comes from heaven. God will drop that peace for you. May he drop that peace for you today, right now, in the name of Jesus. It transcends human understanding. We can only receive this kind of peace through prayer. You can lose everything in, in the world. And you, when, that person who wrote, when peace, it is well, it is well, with my soul. That woman had lost everything, but she at least had the presence of mind to sing that it is well with my soul. The kids have been, they, I mean, they have perished, I think, on the sea and everything. She had nothing, but she was able to say that it is well, it is well. well. Your brother for me, your sister, that as Christians we should live in peace, we should live in peace. Amen. So Gideon can put Colossians chapter 3:15 for us. It is very important that we read that. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let it rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. So Christians should live in peace. I can repeat it from a rooftop. To live in peace doesn't mean that suddenly our differences disappear or our differences have eliminated. You can be a Republican, I can be a Democrat, you can be MPP, I can be CPP or whoever. But we have to live in peace. We can even, we can even in disagreement, we can also disagree in love. Hallelujah. So he says Christians should live in peace. To live in peace doesn't mean our, our, our differences suddenly they disappear. We can have differences of opinion. But Christians should work together despite their differences. You see, Paul wants the word peace to rule our hearts. You see, he says, let peace rule. Rule means, if, if you look at that word, it's like a referee. Let, let peace be a referee in your heart. So that if you are deciding between two things, let peace be the arbiter. Let peace be the umpire. Let peace be the referee. Because there are so many competing things in our mind. Whether to hate this guy or to love him. So let allow peace to make that decision for you. That is what Paul is saying. Let peace of Christ rule in your heart. So when we pray, we want to ask God that let peace rule in my heart. Our hearts are the center of conflict. Because it is in the heart that our feelings and our desires, they crash in the heart. Our fears and our hopes, they crash in the heart. Our distrust and trust. Our jealousy and love, they, all these things, they crash in the heart. So how can we deal with all these conflicts and live to please God? So Paul explains that we can decide between conflicting elements by using the rule of peace. Which choice will promote peace in our souls? Which choice will promote peace in our churches? Hallelujah. Let peace be the deciding factor. Let it have the final say. Amen. So, in and every decision that we take, somebody insults you. You have the you have the you know the pleasure to fight to insult back. But let peace be the arbiter. You know how you going to reply. If we do that. There can be peace and harmony within our families, between spouses, between church members, even about people that we are not even supposed to see eye to eye with. And that is what Paul is saying: Let peace rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, as members of one church, you were called to peace. You may be able to, to, to differ if you want to go to... Presbytery meetings and everything, but let us do so in a dignified manner. Let us do so with a decorum. Even in our differences, let us do so. As I'm bringing my message to a close, Jesus Christ has made a promise to us. He says, I have told you all these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you are going to have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome Hallelujah. Jesus says, we are going to face persecution. We are going to face trials. But we have to take heart. We have to take courage. He has overcome. The, the Midianites came and this man was afraid. But God says, take heart. I have overcome. I'm going to fight your battles for you. So therefore, do not let your heart be troubled. When he was leaving, he said, peace, I live with you. My peace, I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Let not your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. So beloved, I came here to encourage you that we should let the peace of God rule our hearts. May the peace of God guide our every situation. We should allow Jesus Christ into our hearts and into our every situation. Because one day when Jesus was with his disciples and they were in a boat... And then they were crossing over. There was a mighty storm on, the, on that sea, threatening to even to break the boat apart. Meanwhile, Jesus was asleep at the, at the bottom of the boat. The disciples went and they woke him up. And they said, don't you care that we perish? So Jesus woke up and he said, peace, be still. And as soon as Jesus said, peace, be still, oh, the storm, the stormy waters, they became calm and the disciples said who is this man that even the waters of the ocean they listened to him oh may that same jesus who spoke peace may he speak peace into your life if you are going through any stormy challenges in your life may jesus speak peace into your life it was this same jesus who went to lazarus's sister martha and mary they were mourning the loss of lazarus their brother But he went with them. He said, show me where he has been buried. And he called and said, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus came out. Oh, may this same Jesus speak life into your life. May whatever has been dead, may they come back to life. This Jesus who went about healing all kinds of diseases. Whenever this Jesus, who is the prince of peace, when he steps into any situation, he brings smiles back. There is peace. May that peace Rule your hearts this morning. Even as we bring this message to a close, you say, now may the now may the God of hope, may God fill you with all joy and peace. May God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now may the God of peace himself May that God of peace sanctify you, your body, your soul, your spirit, so that you become whole, you become perfect, not lacking anything. May the Lord bless you this day and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Let's be on our feet. (laughs) My soul has found everything.